when we prioritize that in our life and prioritize our health and our state of well-being, filling our tanks first, because we can think as moms, especially, I've got to take care of everyone else. I've got to take care of my children. I've got to take care of all the hats we wear. But until we take care of our health, and take care of ourselves. I mean, that energy creates a high positive energy vibration. Then people want to be around us. When we're negative, when we're bitter, when we're resentful, I mean, that's a negative vibration. We repel the people that love us most. We will repel them. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder, and I'm going to help you rock your hormones and feel great in your body so that you can reclaim more energy, vitality, and joy and become the CEO of your health. Let's jump on in. Don't get me started on the insane conflicting advice about staying healthy as we transition into menopause and then throughout menopause. It's no wonder many of us are confused about what is going on with our hormones, our health, and our overall well-being once we hit our 40s and beyond. Now, as you have learned listening to this podcast over the past year, maybe even more, menopause is a natural transition, right? It is, in a way, a rite of passage, and we definitely don't get to skip it. Now, whether we suffer through menopause or not is totally optional, and that is what we're going to be talking about today. Now, if our bodies are healthy with great lifestyle habits, menopause can be filled with lots of ease, joy, and energy. So I invited back Dr. Anna Kabeka to talk about not only her experience with menopause and how she created a massive transformation in the last 10 years, going from feeling depressed, highly anxious, unhealthy, high levels of stress to the life that she is living today. And I'm super excited to really dive into the life that she's curated since she's been in menopause, basically. I know so often we are told that it is like the beginning of the end or we're not able to make massive changes or you know live our, live our passion, but it's simply not true. As I was listening to Dr. Anna Kabeka just talk about what she's done in the last couple of weeks and months, it just really lends to the fact that we are capable of so much at any age, especially when our body is healthy. So we're going to talk a little bit about what she's going through, her big transformation, but also we're going to get into the lowdown about oxytocin, which is one of our best friend hormones, and how food at the end of the day is medicine and a real needle mover to overall metabolic flexibility, how to create stable weight and have energy to thrive. Now, before we jump into this amazing conversation with Dr. Anna Kabeka on menopause and what we can do to kind of pause the way that we eat to overcome plateaus, not only in our diet and our metabolic health, but also in our life in general. I feel like how we eat and the way that we can pause the way that we eat is such a great analogy of how we can pause and reset our life. So Dr. Anna Kabeka is a triple board certified trained physician and hormone expert who was diagnosed with early menopause at age 38. Devastated, she set out on a personal wellness journey to reverse her menopause side effects, which resulted in the delivery of a healthy baby girl at the age of 41. This healthy baby girl, her youngest of four daughters, is now, I believe, like 14 years old, right? So she's had a major transformation since then. 
After experiencing her own health success, Dr. Annika Becca began counseling others, ultimately changing the lives of thousands of women across the globe. Her three books on hormones and her other empowering transformational programs have helped women of all ages become their best selves again. You can discover more about Dr. Annika Becca at drannikabecca.com, and you can connect with her on Facebook and Instagram. Let's welcome her once again to the show. Hey, one more thing. Did you know that one of the biggest nutrient deficiencies that I see in people, especially women, is a magnesium deficiency? This powerful mineral packs a massive punch because magnesium is involved in over 500 reactions inside of the body. Now, magnesium is your best friend if you want more energy, better sleep, a humming metabolism, improved digestion, happy periods, and a happy mood. And luckily, you can quickly replenish your magnesium stores with my Essentially Holes Magnesium Restore Supplement, made with my favorite form of magnesium, magnesium glycinate. Now use the promo code PODCAST and get 10% off your entire first order at drmarisa.com slash store. That's D-R-M-A-R-I-Z-A dot com slash store. I will have the link in the show notes for this episode. You're definitely going to want to try it today. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast, Dr. Anna Kavecka. How are you doing? Oh my gosh, I am blessed to be here with you today, Maritza. Thanks for having me. Well, I am so, so excited to have you here. Uh, I have been looking forward to this conversation for so long. You're one of my dearest friends. I consider you such an important inspiration in my life. And I know that you've been on before. And I just want to take a moment and just quickly just sing some of the accolades. One, we are celebrating your third book, which is incredible because this is your third book in less than six years, which in the publishing world is almost unheard of. Usually it takes two to three years to get a book out in the world. And you have done it in under a, like a year and a half every single time. So there's that. You bought a new house this week. You have a brand <laughs> new granddaughter that you delivered yourself last night. Yes. And just so much more going on. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so glad that we're going to be talking about what it looks like to take a pause in life and kind of reassess not only our health, our hormones, our diet, but also just the way that we're operating in this world. Because that I think is one of the biggest messages that you've learned after finishing this, this new book. Yes, absolutely. I really think there's magic in the pauses in our life. There's absolute magic. And I reflect on that as you kind of just round up. I'm like, oh my God, I have done all that. And I've moved to Texas and I've, we have horses and I haul a horse trailer on weekends and I do all these things. But let me tell you, not even, you know, seven, eight, nine years ago, I was stressed, depressed, and my hormones were a mess. I mean, truthfully, I mean, I remember just in a place where I was so sad so depressed, so sick, so hormonally imbalanced that, I mean, I, I couldn't imagine how I was going to make it through one day, let alone be where I am right now. And honestly, when I think about that, and it's why, it really is why I'm so passionate about what I do. And I, I did, I delivered my own, my first grandbaby last night from my firstborn daughter. So she had her firstborn daughter and we did it in a beautiful, natural way in a birthing center. And she had a natural birth and I was just, it was not incredible. a Tylenol, not even a Tylenol or an Advil. I'm telling you nothing. And there was a, a magic, an extra magic coincidence that occurred. And I'm an obstetrician, right? And I, I to not deliver in a hospital, first of all, that was nearly freaking me out. In obstetrics, you know, your OBGYN will tell you, obstetrics is 95% joy, 5% sheer terror. 
5% sheer tear. And I know that as an OB, right? So I had to make sure, you know, all these safety backups and everything else was going on and, and be patient during the entire delivery process. And, you know, like, what, what do we want to do as OBs? We want to intervene. We want to get it done quicker and as painlessly as, as possible. And, and so just like letting this whole natural process, especially with my daughter, just evolve in front of me was amazing. And she said to me, she goes, mom, once you deliver Andalisa's, my granddaughter's name, Andalisa, when you deliver her, I want to do a pause ritual. I'm like, okay, well, I know there's magic in the pauses. What do you mean this pause ritual? And she says, it's a process where you lay the baby down next to me, not on me, not on my chest or anything. And we just take this moment. She transitions in and I transition, you know, out of just delivering her. We just pause and so like after, after I delivered her and not cutting umbilical cord, just letting placenta deliver naturally also, I just, you know, put Andalisa next to my daughter, Amanda, and they just, you know, they just took breaths and paused and it was quiet and peaceful. And you could feel like the thickness of love. You could feel this thickness and you could just see this transition like Andalisa's coming into the world. Amanda's taking in this new child, this new life, right? There's it's a transition into the world and there are transitions in our life. And I'm going to draw the line with menopause, right? Menopause seems like such a fearful transition, but it's a pause in our life. And, and it is like, it can be magic on the other side. I wouldn't have said that seven, eight years ago. I would not have said that. And for not the things that I've learned and I teach and you teach, I couldn't be here now having this moment with you. I couldn't have been up for 36 hours straight, even delivering my grandbaby and, you know, have three hours of sleep and, 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 and be here. able to function. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no. And I have clarity and I have energy and I have joy. I'm totally an oxytocin high too. So mm-hmm. <laughs> Anna, was it always your desire to get to deliver your grandbabies or at least one of your grandbabies? Honestly, it was. It really was. And I didn't know, you know, children are your children and they have their own way of doing things. Mm -hmm. And certainly my firstborn is very much that way. And as she, as she illustrated by doing a complete natural childbirth, right. And having her birthing plan. It's funny because in obstetrics, we say, you know, you know, and in general, there's that, that saying that, you know, we plan and and God laughs. Right. (laughs) And so, and, in an obstetric, someone comes in with a birthing plan and we're like, well, there's a 50% chance that this is going to happen, right? And and so I always thought I would, you know, I always hoped that my daughters would let me deliver them. And so I was really blessed when she asked me and, and she continued to want me even in the throes of very painful, painful labor. I was there for her. And there were some times, Maritza, where she was like, mama, I can't do this. I'm like, girl, you can do this. You are so strong. You're so brave. You are so beautiful. You can do this. And just take a deep breath and enjoy these pauses in between your contractions, right? That's where you get that strength again to be able to take the next thing that comes your way. And right now it's this contraction. You got this. You've gone through a lot harder things in your life. You can do this, right? We're in this together. And on the backside of me, I'm like, when am I going to call it quit? When am I going to rush her to the hospital and do a C-section? You know, this was in the back of my mind, honestly, thinking like, oh my God, I can't see my daughter in this pain, right? And she delivered Andalisa and the thought of all that pain was gone. And hence in, I write, you know, I write about this hormone a lot, oxytocin, not to be confused with oxycodone, the pain medicine, oxytocin, the hormone of love. 
confused. We talk about oxytocin a lot, so. (laughs) (laughs) Your audience knows. Sometimes I get the questions. And so, you know, it's that, that power of oxytocin, that analgesic hormone, right? It's a natural pain reliever. It's a natural amnestic hormone. You forget the pain of childbirth. I mean, for the most part, you forget that pain. It has so many. It's, that, it's the anti-aging hormone. It's the hormone of longevity. It's the hormone of love and connection. It's a hormone that, you know, at the end of our days, we want to have a life full of oxytocin. We want to be surrounded by the people we love and that we have loved, you know, I thought about all this during this time where the rest of the world was shut out and my daughter and her sisters and I were in that delivery room and we just embraced every moment. We stood by each other. You know, the, I saw her sisters just come to Amanda's aid and help her and massage her back and hold her hand and just be support. And I thought, oh my God, this is incredible. I mean, there was a time when teenagers, my daughters and I, we didn't get along. And mm-hmm. to be in this stage at this time now with like love and connection and then to be walking into a three-generation household coming up. So as I move into my new house in Dallas, having my daughter and granddaughter move into, I mean, I think that's just a tremendous statement to the power of oxytocin. Mm-hmm. When we prioritize that in our life, and prioritize our health and our state of well-being, our filling our tanks first, because we can think as moms, especially, I've got to take care of everyone else, I've got to take care of my children, I've got to take care of, you know, all the hats we wear. But until we take care of our health and take care of ourselves, I mean, that energy creates a high positive energy vibration. Then people want to be around us when we're negative, when we're bitter, when we're resentful. I mean, that's a negative vibration. We repel the people that love us most, we will repel them. So learning that lesson from going from the pits of hell to where I am living the best life, I mean, I can tell that to you, Maritza, and I was thinking about this. I know I'm rambling, but I I no longer have to fake being happy. Mm. I feel it. And that's powerful because, you know, my story, I lost my child. I had tremendous PTSD and trauma and one thing after the other, one trauma after the other for a decade. And so to be here and to be thinking, oh my God, I no longer have to fake being happy. It's powerful. It's so powerful. And so I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy. And for the work that you do in the world, which I know this is, you know, thinking about delivering your granddaughter and then delivering your third book. (laughs) It's a third generation book. (laughs) It is. It is. It's an evolution. (laughs) And I want to talk a little bit about this book. I'm really excited about this book because I know so many women come to you and I, and we serve a lot of the same women in our communities and a lot of our women are they're struggling. They're struggling with energy issues. They're struggling with weight issues. They're struggling with brain fog and sleep issues. And they're and they're just not feeling the way that they used to, you know, 10, 5, even 3 years ago. And we know that food plays a massive role in being able to reset our endocrine system, being able to reset our hormones. And I think that is kind of the impetus for why you wrote Menopause was that this is about how we can make some really 
powerful changes, simple changes. I've always loved how simple you make things so that we're able to execute them. You know, I think about the everyday woman is, is got a lot, so much on her plate as well and how we can make it as simple as possible. And so I know you explore a lot of different ways in which we can pause how we've been eating, the way we've been eating in this book. And you found this kind of magic number, which is around, you know, six, six days or maybe, you know, a week basically where we can make a shift and really change, you know, have some food freedom and make some really big gains in terms of what's going on with our metabolic health and our overall endocrine system. Yeah. And I love this, this six, I was trying to think, okay, what's the shortest number of days to make a pause and certain things we're doing often what's happened in our, first of all, food is medicine, right? You know that I know that. And the ancient physicians were the chefs to the king way back through the Ottoman Empire. The physician to the king was there, prepared their food. And that's the medicinal power of food. And somehow we lost that in our medical systems, at least, you know, I mean, I had a, a few hours of nutrition class in med school. Beyond that, there wasn't so much. But food is medicine. Somehow we lose that. And in working over the past several years in my whole keto green, keto alkaline food and lifestyle, you know, eating and lifestyle, I've seen where sometimes we get stuck where a client would say, well, I'm doing this and I'm, I'm struggling. I'm hitting a plateau. And I'm like, okay, let's make these shifts. So in many pause, I created these shifts. And then I wanted to do it in the shortest amount of time. So it is a pause. It's like take a beat. What we know in, in medicine is in physiology is the gastrointestinal mucosa, the gut lining of the intestines, intestinal lining regenerates every 72 hours. So like if we do a fast, we want to do it for 72 hours. If we do bone broth only, we want to do it for 72 hours. If we do shake, we want to do 72 hours. If we eliminate a food, we want to do it at least 72 hours. So in many pods, I put two 72-hour cycles. So hence, six days. In six days, we should see, is this serving us or not serving us? Are we feeling a little better? Are we feeling, you know, is this not making a difference? And that's where the five, six-day plans came from. I love that. And I think you're absolutely right. Like, you know, anytime we're reintroducing, uh, you know, from an elimination, if dairy is serving us or eggs are serving us or coffee is serving us or alcohol is serving us, you know, giving yourself at least those 72 hours. But then to, and I love the question and because, you know, oftentimes, especially with protocols and programs that are removing foods that I think, you know, often are not serving us. I like that question of just being inquisitive around that. Like, I know that sugar doesn't serve me. I know this. I also know that alcohol doesn't serve me either. And, you know, I always want to be doing things that are good for my body. Like, and, and I'll even, there are times where, you know, it's a celebration, like a rosé champagne is being passed around before me, you know, five-year me, oh my gosh, I love me some rosé champagne. I am not going to pretend like I don't. It's sparkly and fun and all the things and pretty. But I ask my, I'll ask myself like, well, is tomorrow me going to appreciate this? Is it going to serve me? Is my liver going to appreciate this? And it's, that's really the question I'm asking myself. And I, so I love that you reframe in that way that is, is my body going to appreciate? Is this going to serve me in the long run? And I think the more that we can ask ourselves these questions, it can really give us the yes around 
doing a six-day pause, like really figuring out what's going on with our body because we've kind of gotten that, add that question answered of, yes, this is going to serve me. Yes, this is going to be good for me. Yes, kind of removing some of these things. And I've always loved, I think one of the things that I've so loved about what you've you've brought into the last two books was, I think, you know, getting us into ketosis, healing our insulin resistance, creating more metabolic flexibility, but doing it in a green way, creating alkaline, an alkaline system like that's the way we heal our bodies. And so I love that you have gone even further into this, especially when it comes to our bodies. You and I both know that that as we met, head into menopause, gosh, our metabolic resilience can tank with our, with our hormones. And so coming up with ways that we can kind of reclaim some of that metabolic resiliency, I'm just so excited about what you've created here. And I wanted to do it in bite-sized ways, right? Because I think that makes a difference. And focusing on, I would say, you know, urine pH is a vital sign that we have to pay attention to. And it's interesting because I just knew from working with myself and working with my own physiology and working with my patients, I am healthier, stronger. I can make better decisions and choices for that that whole wine conversation. We really need to have a glass of wine over and talk about, but <laughs> and I will wine over not having wine for sure. You know, but it's true. Does it serve me? Is it really worth the next day effects? I mean, really? And I think that just convincing ourselves, what is the reason that I am sabotaged? What am I tying to this? Maybe it's just, I need to put some sparkling water in that wine glass and enjoy it, right? Maybe there's something else I need to do to give me that sense. Like I'm really treating and celebrating. What is it else that I need? I think these are really powerful questions. With many paws, as I, I really work to create many paws and checking again, that importance of the alkaline foods and, but pausing the things that could be getting in our way. And how do we look at that? The research that Dr. David Perlmutter, I, he's just a mentor to me and he came out with his new book, Drop Acid and the work of um, Dr. Johnson looking at uric acid and metabolic syndrome and how certain people are designed to have higher, you know, that's an evolutionary uh, evolutionary consequence of higher uric acid to have the ability to survive longer periods of fasting. I think that was fascinating because a more alkaline urine pH says you're clearing more uric acid is associated with lower levels of uric acid. And that's key. And, and the concept of adding in those greens, those alkalinizers, those herbs and spices support a healthy gut microbiome and GI tract. I was about to actually mention Dr. Perlmutter's book in, in my kind of conversation of the keto green piece and how important it is to get our uric acid levels down and how it is definitely an indicator of, of metabolic dysfunction, potentially type 2 diabetes. And so I'm so glad you mentioned that because I thought about when the book had come out, I immediately thought of keto green and the evidence is there like that. If you are going to be doing keto, which I think is super important, especially pulsing keto, I think for women, it's so critical, so, so critical, but we've got to do it in a way that is, that is really, really healthy and alkalizing at the same time. And so that is what I, I, I've loved so much about your books is that you've combined, like it was the missing piece of keto for so many people, especially for women. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, we're not tiny men. We're just not. <laughs> we are not. We are not hairless men either, right? And they have 10 times as much testosterone. It's so protective for them. And one of the things that I've recognized in working with people in the keto green lifestyle for so long is that sometimes we need that carb up. And so I always have the 10-80-10 rule, like 10% feasting, 
80% keto green, 10% fasting, right? That combination. One of the plans in MenuPause, and I just laugh when I say the name, but anyway, one of the plans in MenuPause is a carb up plan. It's because sometimes we've so restrict, we're so fearful of the carbohydrates, but once we add them, I've had clients lose two or three pounds in six days with the carb up plan. It just blows my mind sometimes, you know, because sometimes it's just what that missing piece to get a better night's sleep, to help with hormone balance, to feed the gut bacteria. I mean, there can be multiple reasons. So each of the plans brings another edge, another twist, another fine tuning, another area of insight, like you said, like being able to see what is serving us and what isn't serving us. What do I need to let go of? And, you know, what's okay? Mm-hmm. I want to get a little bit into the nitty gritty because I know so many women have tried keto. A lot of times women have just done like what I call like man keto or just like acidic <laughs> keto, you know, just not, not in a really sustainable way and haven't gotten the results that they're looking for. And so in your experience, and I know that every single one of us is different. So I do want to preface that if we're finding ourselves struggling with some, with some weight issues and, and what I have learned just in research and in lab reports is that the weight is always a symptom of the insulin resistance, of the metabolic dysfunction. It's not that we have weight issues first and then we see the blood sugar roller coaster, right? No, that's been going down. Finally, it shows up on the scale. And so I find that if we're seeing that level of stubborn weight that just won't go anywhere, that doing a keto, a keto pulse is definitely one of the best things to do. How long would you recommend... Would it be longer than six days? Should we do for six days? And then what would be the extension? Because I feel like for the kind of like more sustainable metabolic flexibility that for some of us, once we got a taste of that six days, that maybe maybe we should continue to see what happens. Yeah. And I think that's definitely a possibility and we have to see, and that's where being in tune with yourself, like what are we using? What gets measured gets managed. Are we using a tape measure? Are we using a scale? Are we using urine pH? keto test strips? What are we doing to measure? How's our symptom score? And the other thing, the concept of six days is the seventh day is a play day, you know, and I don't like to call it a cheat day. You know, I was interviewed on, I forget if it was people.com about one of the Kardashians doing keto. And on the seventh day, like her Sunday, she would have pancakes and whatever, but she was getting success. And like, like, what do you think about her cheat day was the question to me. Like, I consider it a feast day. Is she getting, is she learning from it? Is she feel good on Monday? Does she, is she continuing? Does that help her do six days of keto? I mean, how is that working for her? And so the seventh day, it may be a fasting day for us. Maybe that's an extended fasting. Maybe it's a feasting day periodically. And, and see in our stages, for me, I can run down a rut of too much carbs, certainly. And that can, again, then I backtrack. It can work for a while. So for me, pulsing in one day a week, maybe one day every two weeks of a carb healthy carb up day, that's something to consider. I got to choose my carbs because, you know, that truffle fries, you know, may not be. <laughs> choose your carbs. Well, choose and then my that, carbs. <laughs> that lends to, I think about, I don't know if these are gluten-free, organic pancakes that she's eating or, you know, right. are these, you know, at the end of the day, I you rarely see a, fr a French fry not fried in some level of vegetable oil. And so I've always been of the mindset besides managing metabolic flexibility 
is managing inflammation. So you could have a, I'm all, I'm all for the feast day of non-inflammatory foods. You know, you don't blow up the six days, no. you know, with a fried chicken sandwich and some French fries. Like that's not what I would consider a feast day. That is a, I'm just going to be real. Destroy your body day is what you, I would call that. You are absolutely right. And the thing is like where, it depends on where people are starting. For many people that can be part of their lifestyle. And so where are they starting? And what, like, once you're clean, what does it feel like when you reintroduce that? I mean, the most common thing I've seen in working with patients is like, oh, well, we went out and we had pizza and I feel terrible. Oh my God, I learned so much. That's an education day, right? And then we'll look and say, okay, well, it's not worth it next time. You and me on our wine. It's like, oh God, I love some wine, you know? But I don't feel as good. I'm not as flexible. I'm more off balance. I'm more likely to cancel my gym class if I had wine, even one glass of wine the night before. You know, it's taken me a little while to make that connection, but there's a connection there. Exactly. <laughs> become slow learners. We put blinders on, like we've got horses. You know, you put blinders on a horse when you don't want to, you know, you don't want them to see what could potentially be distracting them. And it's so true. It's so true. Well, I was thinking about, well, I mean, we, last time you were on the show, we were talking about wearing, we were wearing um, continuous glucose monitors together and all the insight that we gathered from it. And one of the, the big insights, I remember you had learned even espresso in the morning on its own without food, before food, it was a no-go because it was spiking your blood sugar levels. And so not that you, it got removed, it's just that you just moved up the timeline to you would have espresso when you broke your fast because that would equal things out. And I am so grateful to tell you that that does not happen to me. Thank goodness I always <laughs> have coffee in the morning. But one of the things that was really lighting me up, causing some you know just major spikes was sweet potatoes. And I cut sweet potatoes out for a very long time. But Alex and I decided that we would bring them back, you know, because one, we, we cook them for Kingston. You know, he loves sweet so potatoes. Yummy. So good. He eats re all real food. All, you know, that's what, he, that's his diet. So like sweet potatoes and chicken and veggies and berries and, you know, and things like that and, and, and olive oil and avocado, those types of things. And, so, and it's been really hard to make these sweet potatoes for this baby and not have them. And finally, I was like, you know, I've decided that, you know, maybe once every couple of weeks or once a week, we would bring sweet potatoes in with our salmon and our, our broccoli and just integrate some, that what I consider to be a relatively healthy carb that does spike my blood sugar levels. I decided that I feel it's, it's okay every now and again to bring those back in. Still being mindful, you know, and taking those kind of pauses of carbs that you may know raise your blood sugar or have an impact on your body that may not be an impactful for somebody else. That just sounds amazing. And it just makes me think how I switched, how I prepare sweet potatoes. I'm totally going to get some sweet potatoes tonight. Maritza, we're going to have some Maritza, Dr. Maritza sweet potatoes tonight. I love but, purple sweet potatoes too. Oh my gosh. Oh, I haven't tried those. Oh I definitely, so I'm going to, okay, okay. I'm going to go get some. So one of the things like, you know, thinking about sweet potatoes at Thanksgiving, sweet potato casserole, right? It has cinnamon and brown sugar on it. So if we just do sweet potatoes, baked sweet potato with 
butter or purified butter. And if you can't do butter, you can do coconut oil and cinnamon. I mean, it's magic or pumpkin spice seasoning. It's like, for me, that's just so incredible. Sweet potato fries baked in the oven, another healthy, really good, healthy option. And it's like omitting them may not be the right answer, but I have, and I've learned from so many women in my girlfriend, doctor club community that I've worked with virtually. And one of my clients, Mary, she's in her 70s. She's been following my keto green plan for, gosh, since 2015, early 2015. And she says, you know, for a while, reintroducing of any healthy carbs, I mean, she's at her ideal body weight and everything now, but she said, reintroducing any carbs put her on that sugar sweet tooth cycle. And that was something to really recognize too, because it brought a lot of, again, that downward spiral, like one glass of wine is good, two is better for her, that even the healthy sweet potato took her down the cycle. So it's taken time for her. Again, we have to meet each individual. That's why we're so individual. We have to meet each one with where we're at right now. Now she can do it. Few, it took her a little while, but now she can introduce some feast days in, essentially, some sweet potatoes and some rice. And so that was a really big eye-opener for me, too, because she was so connected with what could take her off course, what could affect her, how that may be fed some way back dormant candida that created some inflammation in her system. Also, you know, food addiction behavior. You started out this talk just exactly perfectly because that discernment, that self-assessment, what is serving us, what isn't serving us. And we've got a lifetime to figure it out. So, <laughs> Well, and it's so funny that you mentioned that. And it that. changes. <laughs> it so changes. Another reason why I wanted to bring sweet potatoes back in is that we have snuck like keto desserts into our life. And we can speak into keto desserts because a lot of them, some oh, oftentimes so they are so good, but they can often have artificial sweeteners and, and just like other things, you know. And so we had become okay with them coming on in. And I started realizing I wasn't feeling as great. Like I was, I was feeling more bloated and I, this isn't too often, but this was happening like on the weekends. And, and so I, I was eating keto chocolate and, you know, things like that. And I was like, you know, I can get away with this. And then I just wasn't feeling super hot. But then I got this really crazy, like I started developing more of a sweet tooth and I was looking to Alex and I was like, Alex, I think this is the most sugar or it technically wasn't sugar, <laughs> sugar, non-sugar we've been eating in so long. That was actually the impetus for bringing the sweet potatoes back like maybe once a week was that because I missed sweet potatoes, like that was the one little thing that was sweet, but we always baked them. We roasted them with rosemary and olive oil. Mm. We always paired them with salmon or a big salad. I would put them in a salad with, with grass-fed steak or something like that. And so it was always... Yeah, with proteins and fiber and everything like that. And healthy fat. Yeah, and super healthy healthy fat. But then I pumped, I just got rid of sweet potatoes and I, I just needed to like fill that gap. I realized we literally had this conversation last night as I'm like, we're bringing them back in once a week and we're getting rid of for a moment. We're just going to get, I just want, there are times where I just feel for us in our bodies, at least in my body, that I just want only real food, like food that we cook, that we our vegetables, we chop them, we do all the things, you know, and that it, there's nothing that's coming in in a box. So there's no keto ice cream coming into the house. Like 
I can prepare all of the things that are coming into the house. And so that's where I'm at, but I still want a little something. And so it was the sweet potatoes, like on a Friday night or something like that was the thing where I was like, this is going to make this so much easier for me. And it's going to feel so much better. And at the end of the day, sweet potatoes are still real food. Absolutely. They have fiber, you know? And so that was the talk track. It was the the opposite of your client. <laughs> For why they came back. So I, I hope that this conversation between Anna and I is serving you right now, because I know these are the things that we either we're talking to clients all the time that they're kind of working through or our, us ourselves are working through it, you know, and, and trying to figure <laughs> out the right thing for our metabolism, our body, our family. You were juggling all of those same, the same balls in the air. These are the, these are the things that we think about when we do the research so that we can put these books out into the world. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it is. It's like, you know, and that's where, honestly, there's no one size fits all. No. Right. There's no, no one size fits all at the same time. And so there's so much that's going on between what season of the year it is, what season of our life are we in, what season of our relationships are we in? You know, like all of those things do matter. You're, you know, a young mom having a new baby in the house, a toddler, you know, with food preferences and how that changes things. So like, there's that balancing act and, uh, you know, have a, a teenage daughter in the house and, and convincing her that sodas with high fructose corn syrup are not healthy. Right. It's like, even if you're spending them with her own, like even if she's buying them with her own money, it's like converting these things, these transitions, these are wars that mothers have to fight. <laughs> it's so true. It's so and true. there's the negotiation power around them sometimes, but, you know, there are different things that we do address and we can, again, I think the biggest thing as women is leading by example, what's serving us. And also, you know, where do we have grace, grace for my patients when, you know, grace for myself, grace for my children and be able to see, okay, this is a self-experimentation phase that going through. Okay. Let me just hold safe space, lead by example, make sure that the choices that I have are, are good choices. And these are things that they will fall back on. As I've seen with my older daughter now, you know, giving, you know, really focusing on natural medicine, natural foods, natural childbirth, I and mean, God bless her. That's mm. above, you know, beyond my wildest imagination, really. And that how she did all that, but that's leading by example. Like, and, you know, she would say, I exemplified it, making choices, and what that did, how that changed the way my life looks. And I think that's really powerful. And it's powerful to remember when we're women, especially, you know, I'm a single mom and, and raising daughters and um, just having that grace for myself and grace for them. And as we go through menopause, there's this transition. And there's a hormonal transition, a physiologic transition. And I always say menopause is mandatory and natural. Suffering is optional. Suffering is optional. You know, that's why I'm passionate about getting this stuff out, right? So I'm like you are. And what are things we can do? Like even yesterday I had essential oil for her. And so I was like manifesting you. What essential oil would be good? We did rose. We just felt like rose would be a great essential oil <laughs> to it's bring in. So beautiful. But these little things that we learn from each other. And you know, you don't sometimes you don't even realize. I'm glad I can share how you influenced my life with essential oils. Hmm, you know? Thank you. But, yeah. <laughs> Five plans, six days. I, I know that there's guidance as to which one to start. Yeah. And so, and do you recommend, you know, because I know women are thinking, okay, how do I navigate this? You know, we all want to get it right. 
there's guidance on how to do it. And is it at the end of the day, are we ideally trying them all at some point in time? Or? I want everyone to try them all. Okay. I'm going to run through them all as a group in my girlfriend, doctor community, my keto green community on Facebook. We'll be running through each of the plans. And I do have a menu pause quiz. So you have a link for that. And the quiz just takes you through some questions. Say, what might be the next right plan for you to get you where you want to be as quickly as possible. So there's that that guidance. But I did put the plans in an order in the book. And strategically, that made sense to me. So I start with my Keto Green Extreme Plan, really an autoimmune plan yes. based on Keto Green yep. principles. So avoiding all nightshades and peppers and aggravating foods that could affect us. So if you have an autoimmune disease, that might be the place to start, but I'm going to start us all there. And then I go into a plant-based plan because the number one problem, especially women doing keto experience is constipation. It's terrible. And plus we need that diversity in the gut microbiome. So we go plant-based next in a keto kind of way. And so again, keto green, and then I go straight to carnivore, a nose to tail food plan that is just yummy and delicious. And honest to God, my liver cardamom seared liver recipe is amazing. And I made it for my daughter, Ava Marie, my young teenager, and she ate it up and had seconds and I never told her what it was. So it was good, but it was a very good thing. And then I, so we go right from carnivore to cleanse because we're in high ketosis. We're not going to be hungry. It's a perfect time to power through a liver gallbladder cleanse. And I, I call it my keto cleanse. And then from there we go to a carb up. And what do we learn from each of those six days on the journey? What do we learn about ourselves? How are we feeling? And again, when we're in community, we can do it better. And I always build my plans, my programs, my mission around community, because we know that say it creates a blue zone. So we're creating a virtual blue zone in the girlfriend doctor community. <laughs> Love it. The other big question I know women are going to be wondering is in perimenopause, can we be doing this? Because my gut tells me yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So I have actually all ages doing it, including men doing it. And actually I have a famous, um, so excited. I got a, uh, yesterday a call, famous all-American basketball player. He's, uh, you know, ex-Maverick player. He's like, I'm following your keto green plan. It's amazing. Tell me, you know, what do I need to do to keep going? I'm like, hi, you want to do menu pause with us? How do you feel? <laughs> <laughs> and so, but I mean, it's so true. And I've had so many guys and partners do the plans, do keto green and the men get amazing results too. And definitely for my fertility patients, for my PCOSers, you know, it's just powerful and it's worth looking at and trying. I think, you know, we know that getting into ketosis is powerful for the brain, especially from menopause and beyond. We have to do it in a way that's healthy for our metabolism, healthy for anti-aging, right? For aging gracefully and supports our immune system. And that's, that's why I've created this really. And using food from around the world, you know, I've bought my first plane ticket when I was 13. My mom told me travel would be one of my best forms of education. My goal with this book was to travel around the world and do a documentary on menopause around the world. But the pandemic hit. So we had a little, you know, little uh, stall Pick on up. that idea. <laughs> but I did incorporate menopause around the world into, um, into the book. 
So some fun recipes, some fun advice. Yes, 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 yes. I love that. I am such a fan of keto green. And I, I what I, I you know, and what feels so good to me is that that is such a foundational protocol that I think could benefit, can and will benefit everybody. Having this backup book to have pauses, to reset those plateaus is going to be, is so powerful. But I still, I don't know if if you feel that way, if you feel strongly around that, that keto green is really foundational. To me, it feels very foundational. And then having this, as you said, there's going to be, everyone's different depending on what's going on in their lives. I hear all the time, people who plateau, and then what's super, super important is to be able to have another protocol or program, even a six-day pulse that can move us through whatever that plateau is based on what, what may be going on in the body. Thank you, Maritza. I appreciate that. Yeah, I agree 100%. Well, Dr. Anna Kaveka, where can we go and check you out? So I know you've got the quiz. We're going to go and hook people up. And the book, I take it, is where I know it's in pre-order. Right where this goes live, it's going to be in pre-order. And it's going to be pre-ordered, basically available everywhere books are sold. Everywhere books are sold. Always support your local bookseller whenever possible. So really appreciate that. And then come back to dranna.com and at the link that you have provided them for the book bonuses. Because with that link that Dr. Maritza is giving you, there's an extra $20 gift card to my store, which is really powerful. Lots of really great ancillary material to support with menu pause, including batch cooking guides and some additional recipes and, and just some great videos, cooking videos, and lots of good fun support. And plus my um, daily activity list, a little checklist journal that I think just goes hand in hand to that discernment piece. How am I doing? Checking in with myself. You know, how am I feeling? Am I doing the other things that in my life that really add to good health besides what I eat, like my oxytocin increasing activities? You know, so it's those little reminders that are really powerful. So, and then on Instagram, on social at the girlfriend doctor. So please join me there. Thank you so much, Dr. Anna Kabeca. It's such a privilege to have you on here today and congratulations once again. Thank you. First off, I just love Anna so, so much. She has been such an inspiration to me for many, many years. And how she showed up today in this interview is how she shows up every single day. She's got such kindness and grace and empathy because she has been through it. Like so many of the rest of us, right? She's she's struggled with the hormone issues. She's struggled with the stress. She's struggled with big loss and devastation and just has come onto the other side of it. And she has channeled a lot of her education on how we can dial in the way that our bodies are gonna work for us. And that is through improving metabolic flexibility, improving energy, and really leveraging food as medicine. In her newest book, which I'm super stoked about, she dives into five separate plans on six days worth, right? And really giving ourselves an opportunity to overcome plateaus and figure out what our body truly needs. So her newest book, which is right available for pre-order right now called Menu Pause, is gonna be in major bookstores. And as I mentioned, you can buy it now, get it pre-ordered because then you get the book bonuses. I will have the link to that. And Dr. Anna has another gift for you and that is her Keto Green Recipe ebook. Oh, I cannot tell you how amazing these recipes are. We have made recipes from this ebook for a couple years now. You're gonna love it. So make sure to go and grab that as well. 
And as always, thank you so much for listening in on the Essentially You podcast. This show is all about providing tools to rock your hormones and feel amazing in your body. If there is someone in your life that needs to hear this today, take a moment, screenshot this episode, send it on over to them or share it on social. And when you do share it on Instagram, wherever you love to share, hashtag hormone literacy or hormone CEO. Until the next episode, have an amazing day.